to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page. JT the Brick. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last-second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is, it's Raider Nation. JT, thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you and keep it going, okay? I'll talk to you soon, man. And now, here's JT the Brick. And filling in for JT today, here's Harry Ruiz. Raider Nation, what's up? It's Thursday. Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. I'm your special guest host, Harry Ruiz. JT The Brick will be back tomorrow. It was great having him in yesterday. What a great interview he had with Lou DiBella talking about boxing. I really, really enjoyed listening to it. And now I'm back in the studio here covering for him holding up the fort and hopefully having a good show and I got a loaded show for you guys 1220 we're scheduled to talk with the Raider Reds to record director sorry Tiffany McNiff and also Maria Cabende the Raider Reds studio manager the junior Raider Reds camp is coming in town soon and they'll give us the 411 all the info on it at 1235 Gilberto Manzano Gilbert Manzano Chargers and NFL reporter for the Orange County Register LA Daily News and SoCal News Group will talk about everything from that team that plays over in Inglewood, California that rep LA, but we know that LA, that's Raider Nation right there. And at 1 o'clock, we're scheduled to have Brandon Marshall, starting linebacker in Super Bowl 50, where he earned his championship ring. We know which squad he did it for, the Broncos, but he ended up his career in silver and black with the Raiders. He's a Vegas native, Cimarron High School grad, who has his number retired there, and we're scheduled to talk with him at 1 o'clock. And of course, Raider Nation, the most important guest on this show on the JT The Brick Show. You! Call in 702-365-9200. I always enjoy listening to everybody's opinion. We might not be in the same page, but that's what this is all about. Have an interaction and Find a way to talk with each other. We're family. We're the Raider Nation. And that's what we're here for at Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We're less than two months away from the first preseason game for the Raiders. A little bit over a month away from training camp kicking off for the Silver and Black. And Raider Nation, I'm excited for this 2022 season. And something that always has me on my toes and just waiting for it to happen, that happens during the preseason is that NFL top 100 list that gets released by NFL Network. They do a great job producing that show. And what I love about it is the players. They're the ones who vote for each other that say, I respect this guy. This is my top 100 list. And then they compile all the lists together and they average all the numbers and see what ends up being that ranking, one through 100. But we don't get to see that until mid-August when NFL Network releases their shows in increments of 10. They go 191, 90 to 89, until all the way they finish that list with the number one, with the top uh, guy on their list. But the good thing is that, you know, national media, they're putting out content every day because that's what they get paid for. And we got an NFL top 100 list from CBS Sports, Pete Prisco, who has some Raiders on it and the team with the most players on this list, their divisional rival. They're the Los Angeles Chargers. So let's see where the Raiders ended up on this list. Number 11, the top-ranked Raider, is Devontae Adams. He's the number two wide receiver on this list. 
with Cooper Cup being the only one above him. So, number 11, Devontae Adams. Number 33, Mad Max Crosby. He's the number four defensive end on this list, only behind Miles Garrett, who's number nine, Nick Bosa, number 12, and Cam Hayward from the Steelers, number 27. Number 55, despite a season with injuries that didn't allow him to produce the way that we've been come to see him produce. He's there. Darren Waller as a third best tight end on this list. George Kittle is 15. Travis Kelsey is number 20. Darren Waller is up there in number 55, a good year, and he'll be back up there in the 20s. Chandler Jones, number 58. Number eight defensive end on this list. We already spoke about Garrett, Bosa, Hayward, and Max Crosby. Well, in front of Chandler Jones is Chris Jones, from the Chiefs, Cam Jordan from the Saints, and Trey Hendrickson, who had a great season with the Cincinnati Bengals, and then Chandler Jones is right there at number 58. How about that, Raider Nation? Out of the top eight defensive ends on this list, the Raiders have two of them. They have 25% of the top eight defensive ends on this, in this league, according to this NFL Top 100 list from CBS Sports, Pete Presco. That has me excited. And then they have an honorable mention section where Derek Carr, he's in that list, but he's not in the top 100 where there are a total of 12 quarterbacks ahead of him. And also, as an honorable mention, it's Hunter Renfro right there as well. So a big year by the offense by the Raiders this season, and they can go very, very high. So the Raiders, they got rid of two draft picks to be able to get Devontae Adams in the building, in the roster. And you see how high the league and the national media have Devontae Adams in very high regards, and they know what kind of quality player he is. And then the Raiders signed as Chandler Jones as a free agent. They got rid of uh, Yannick Ngakwe, who had a great season last year for the Raiders, double-digit sacks, uh, one of very few players to have done it over the past eight years. We know Khalil Mack is one of them. Max Crosby is the other. And then Yannick Ngakwe. But they felt they could improve in that position. They went for Chandler Jones, who within the active players in the NFL, he's only behind Von Miller in sacks in the Alta, in the sack list. So... Chandler Jones, he's great. So if it weren't for those trades, the trade that the Raiders did with Devontae Adams and the signing for Chandler Jones, the Raiders might only have Max Crosby and Chandler Jones in that and uh, Darren Waller, excuse me, in that list. So it's something that we can keep an eye on. And you go back to that list that I was talking about, the NFL Top 100, the one that's voted by the players and released by the league in mid-August. Last year, the Raiders had three players. Darren Waller, number 35, K.J. Wright, number 67, he's no longer with the team, and Josh Jacobs at number 68 the year prior, 2020. Josh Jacobs, 72, Darren Waller, 99. 2019, number seven, Antonio Brown, again. And number 64, Amari Cooper. In 2018, three players, Khalil Mack, 16, Derek Carr, 60, and Bruce Irvin, 85. And in 2017, Mack was 5, Carr was 11, Cooper 
53 and offensive lineman Kelechi Osemele was 95 and that was coming off of that great 2016 season where the Raiders ended up making it to the playoffs but unfortunately because of a lower body injury from Derek Carr against the Indianapolis Colts that would have been a fantastic run that I think the Raiders could have had but coulda woulda shoulda Carr wasn't there uh, you ended up going with Connor Cook to play in the wild card round and the Raiders they didn't make it so if we compare the numbers this is definitely the most talented team the Raiders have had in a while in a very long time and of course the best memory for the Raider Nation is 2016 and in my opinion the only difference between that 2016 and this squad right now is you interchange the quality of the players you had back then in the offensive line to the weapons and now the Raiders have way better weapons in my opinion so we definitely have to use them take advantage of him and hopefully Derek Carr you know one of his characteristics is always he releases the ball quick he takes care of just letting loose real fast so if you get a couple of seconds after you snap that ball and a guy is open, Derek Carr will be able to find him. But you know what? The, that offensive line, there has to be improvement within the players that are there. They got that experience from last year. They had some growing pains, but just like with Andre James, started off slow, gave the fans a couple of headaches, then he ended up solid. Alex Leatherwood, it was his rookie season. James had had experience being Rodney Hudson's backup. Alex Etherwood, all of his experience has been in college. I know Alabama's a semi-pro uh, program. It's pretty much professional football out there. But it's different when you go from facing the SEC to facing the Von Millers of the world, the Joey Bosa's of the world. And you know that they were targeting uh, Alex Etherwood. So keep that in mind. Leatherwood definitely has to come in bigger, better, and stronger. And he has put in the work over the offseason. So now it's all about preseason, and that's something that I'm very, very interested in with this preseason with the Raiders starting off on August 4th, the Hall of Fame game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Last year, when the preseason returned, remember, 2020, there was no preseason. No preseason action because of COVID, because of the pandemic. Everybody started in week one. 2021, John Gruden and his coaching staff selected to pretty much give every bona fide starter rest, not use them in preseason games. Alex Etherwood, he played. Andre James, he played. Why? Because they were new. Leatherwood, they, were, they penciled him in as a starter, so they wanted to see what he had. James, same situation. He had been with the team in the past, but he had only started one game when Rodney Hudson was out. So they wanted to give him snaps. But everybody else, I was shocked that like a Brian Edwards wouldn't get any snaps or a Henry Ruggs wouldn't get any snaps. Those guys, they had no preseason the prior season. You wanted to see them in action and get more comfortable on the field. Raiders didn't do it. This year, I got a feeling that we will be seeing weapons. We will be seeing guys in action during preseason and at least a quarter or two quarters throughout four games, but it's important for them to start feeling in the groove. I don't want to see Devontae Adams. I'll say that. 
or Crosby or Waller or Jones. But you got guys that these preseason snaps, they will be very, very helpful for him. And Derek Carr, we spoke right now. 12 quarterbacks in the top 100 in front of him. Carr isn't listed in this top 100 list from CBS Sports Pete Briscoe. But he has respect around the league from pretty much everybody except Joey Bosa. Loves talking trash. Ugh, that that post-game press conference against the Chargers in L.A. irritated me. It irritated Carp for sure. I know that he said no, but it was bulletin board material. We got him in week 18, and the Raiders, what do they do? Eliminate the Chargers. He has respect around the league, and a guy like Gerald McCoy, he played with the Raiders last season. Unfortunately, he got hurt week one, and we didn't see him again. But Gerald McCoy, he's a guy that has done great things in the NFL. And Gerald McCoy yesterday, he was on the herd. Or sorry, Tuesday, he was on the herd. Thank you to Alan in Vegas on Twitter. He was the one who told us about it, uh, Gerald McCoy being on it, and he said he gave some good quotes. I was like, all right, I'll check it out. Once they uploaded on YouTube, I was like, hey, you know what? That's a good interview. I'm going to share a little bit of it here with you right now. Gerald McCoy on the herd talking about Derek Carr and how he's viewed in the league. Were you surprised? Was Derek better than you thought from the outside until you joined? No, I've always been a Derek Carr fan, and he'll tell you that. I told him that from afar. When I got there, I told him that. I've always thought he was underrated. I've always said, anybody who knows me knows, I've always said Derek Carr is underrated. Ask my son. My friends, anybody knows I've always said he's underrated. I mean, you don't have that many fourth-quarter comebacks or game-winning drives and not be special. And I just think he got a bad rap. I think he had a lot of bad situations around him, but right. he showed his resilience last year. And I'm excited to see what he can do this year with that type of team around him, with McDaniels, you know, giving him a system that fits him. I'm excited to see what he can do. Let people talk trash, D.C., and unfortunately, even people within us in the Raider Nation, they love talking trash. Go and prove them wrong. The team, they gave you the weapons. Go and prove them wrong. Looking at the other squads from the AFC West on this top 100 list uh, published by CBS Sports, the Chargers lead the whole list with the most players on it. Three more than the three teams tied for the next most. Chargers had nine. Justin Herbert, number 20. Joey Bosa, number 23. Khalil Mack, who they traded for, number 43. J.C. Jackson, who they signed as a free agent, number 53. Rashawn Slater, who they drafted last year, is number 60. Keenan Allen, number 65. Derwin James, number 74. Austin Eckler, number 79. And Corey Lindsley, number 86. Something that caught my eye on this list. Out of nine players that are considered in the top 100 from the Chargers, six, six of them are from their squad. Five of them were drafted. One of them they signed as an undrafted free agent. They're taking care of business in-house. And, of course, the big contract that everybody has their eye on is Justin Herbert. How much is that dude going to get paid? Chiefs, five players on the list. Mahomes, number three. Kelsey, number 19. Chris Jones, number 36. Creed Humphrey, number 59. And Joe Tooney, number 96. And the Broncos, they have a grand total of one player. Russell Wilson at number 42. They got three as honorable mentions. Pat Sertain II, Randy Gregory, and Justin Simmons. That, in my opinion, is like, why are people disrespecting the Raiders? Saying it's like, no, the Broncos are better. They got Russell Wilson, yes. But he hasn't been the Russell Wilson of years past. 
in the last couple of seasons. Or, or you can look at it this way. He starts hot. He's an MVP candidate the first couple of weeks, and then he drops off. Wilson, new home, new place. I still think the Raiders are definitely better than the Broncos, and the Raiders are going to be competing with the Chiefs and with the Chargers. So keep that in mind, Raider Nation. Want to sound off? 702-365-9200. For now, we're going to go to a break, and we're going to come back with a special interview with the Raider Reds director and the Raider Reds studio manager because the Junior Raider Reds camp is coming into Las Vegas, and it's right around the corner. This is Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. This is a JT The Brick Show. It means a lot, man. Honestly, it's, it puts a smile on my face, and it's something that I mention, you know, when I'm talking to my, my loved ones back home that are like, what's it been like? That's one of the first things I talk about. I'm like, man, the respect that I got when I walked in the building, um, you know, from, from the players, mainly, I mean, not just mainly, but for sure, I, I pay attention to the players because sometimes, you know, competition comes in, you know, in the wide room, it may not be, you know, it's obviously going to, you know, potentially take away from some opportunities for other people and to see the way that they've, you know, um, kind of embraced me being here and, um, you know, using me as a resource and just en enjoying enjoying the company, too. It's been, it's been a great feeling. And filling in for JT today, here's Harry Ruiz. There's Devontae Adams. And me personally, something that puts a smile on my face, it's the Raiderettes. Football's fabulous females. From the time back in Oakland when I used to go to games, they would always have a couple of them outside the stadium, and I would go take a selfie, get an autograph. And now they're out here in Las Vegas, of course, with the silver and black. And to talk about the Junior Raiderette Summer Camps, we got on the line Tiffany McNiff, Raiderette's director, and Maria Cabonde, Raiderette's studio manager. Ladies, how are you this afternoon? We're great. How are you doing? Doing fantastic, being able to talk with you guys. So... Next month, in July, the Junior Raiderette Summer Camp is going to be happening out here in Las Vegas. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So the Junior Raiderette Summer Camps will be three weeks of three separate groups, all ages 14 to four, four to 14. And we're, be, we're going to be hosting camps, dance camp teaching, technical dance to these students catering to their ages. We're going to be having crafts. We're going to do dance parties. We're going to basically teach them how to become a Raiderette when they get older, and it's going to be a fun time. And how long have these Raiderette camps been happening now, uh, the Junior Raiderettes camps been happening on since Oakland to now out here in Las Vegas? Yeah, so we had a little bit of a different program in Oakland. Um, we performed at a game. This year we're launching back in the form of a summer camp just coming off of covid we want to make sure we have all our proper protocols in place so we're ready to move forward. We're super excited to invite all the kids into our state-of-the-art facility and have them taught by the iconic Raiderette. Yeah, and I've this is the first time happening out here in Las Vegas because since COVID, there's been a lot of restrictions. This is the first time, right? This is our first time, and we are so excited to open our doors and welcome everybody in. Our studio has been sitting here waiting for everyone to come and see it. It's absolutely beautiful, and our team is so fired up to work with all the kids in the community. 
well, now that you brought it up, the Raiders, the team, they have a huge brand new facility to prepare in. But the Raider Reds, you guys have your brand new state-of-the-art studio where you get those dance routine readies. How important is it that your squad have this available for them? You know, we are so fortunate to have an owner who invests so much into our program and, you know, gives us these facilities and opportunities to continue to grow our brand. So having this truly means the world to the team. And, you know, when I was on the team, we practiced at an elementary school in Oakland. So we've come a long way and we are so fortunate. And now we just want to open our doors and let this serve as a, a hub and a home for the community and hopefully inspire kids to become future Raiderettes. Yeah, and I've seen the Raiderettes on social media posting from the studio that you guys have out there in Henderson. And they seem so excited and so happy to be taken care of that way so that's fantastic we're talking talking with tiffany mcniff raiderettes director and maria cabande the raiderettes studio manager ahead of this year's football fabulous females the raiderettes they got a junior summer camp going on in their studio ladies is there a cost for this uh raiderette summer camp yes there is a cost each camp is three hundred dollars and this does include on um, three days of camp so the younger camps are a little bit shorter than the people that are 14 years old, of course, because if you're four o'clock or if you're four, you have a shorter time frame to go through three days. So it's not as intensive for them. And we have crafts and things like that involved. We'll provide snacks and lunches the longer that they stay. And on the final day, the parents and families were, are invited to come watch the performances that they're working on throughout the week. And they're going to have a photo opportunity with the Raiderettes as well. And would you like in the future, I don't know if it's planned this year or not, to probably have some of these summer campers from the Junior Raiderettes to be out there on the field with you guys at Allegiant Stadium to have a performance? We would love that. Right now, we're just waiting to see what the NFL protocols are for as far as having people on the field this season. So, um, you know, once you have a better idea of those things, that is the long-term goal. But for now, we're really excited to welcome everyone into the studio. And we forgot to mention that it includes a T-shirt and pom-poms and photo opportunities with the Raiderette. So we're really just excited to open our doors and show these kids our home. And talk about this year's squad, ladies, because it has been something real cool to see some of the OG vets from Oakland come out here to Vegas for 2020 and 2021. But I saw that some of the girls like Shania, Nicola, Rachel, they retired. So that opens the doors for other ladies to earn their spot on the team, right? Yes, they did. And we love those ladies. And we're so proud of all the that they have accomplished on this team. But we have... You know, several vets from Oakland still on the team, Danielle and Audrey being two of them. And then we just welcomed our new rookie class here in April. And we have 18 fabulous ladies who have traveled from all over the country and world to be a part of this iconic organization. And there's uh, some special stories out there with the squad as well. Of course, football fabu football's fabulous females, the Raiderettes. This is my favorite cheer squad. Uh, like Christina, if I rem recall correctly, there's a story that her mom, she used to be a Raiderette. And now Christina, she's a Raiderette as well. How cool is that? Yeah, we actually have two ladies on the team whose moms cheered. So Christina's mom cheered in Los Angeles and in Oakland. And McKenna Z, one of the new ladies, her mom cheered in Oakland and was my choreographer when I was on the team. So it's a very full circle moment. 
and I'm really excited to have McKenna teaching in our studio, and now she's going to be teaching my daughter. So such a fun full circle moment, and it's just amazing to see these ladies come, you know, through. And Audrey was a junior Raiderette, and now here she is on the team. So hopefully we can inspire these kids to pursue their dreams and encourage them to do what they love. Oh, that's fantastic. That's awesome. These are the kind of stories that I'm always looking for. To That's incredible. You go from Christina and her mom, L.A., Oakland, Vegas, and you get the connections out there from all the capitals of the Raider Nation, which which I, what I call Junior Raiderette Summer Camp coming up next month in July. We're talking with Tiffany McNiff, Raiderette's director, and Maria Cabande, the Raiderette's studio manager. The Raiderettes, you guys do way more than just cheer on the field during the games. Talk about some of those events that you guys attend that you're always out there in the community representing the Silver and Black. Yeah, well, we're so proud to be a part of the Raiders community and a part of the Vegas community. And we um, participate in hundreds of yearly events, anything from appearing at elementary schools, um, events with the police, police department, fire department. Um, you know, we're, we're just out here in the community to inspire and encourage and spread love all throughout the Raider Nation. And how cool was it for your squad to be out there at the Pro Bowl? At the Pro Bowl, you had Shania, but also yes. in the draft, you guys had a lot of representation on the field and off the field as well. Thank you so much. You know, the Pro Bowl was an absolute blast, and uh, Shania really had the home field advantage. So we, as a team, went to support her, and that was absolutely incredible. And same thing with the draft. That was just a remarkable setup that they had and we just loved being out there and representing the best team in the nfl absolutely tiffany maria any other message that you guys would like to send out there to the raider nation ahead of the junior raider at summer camps coming up next month we just want to say we are so excited to welcome you into our studio and into our home and our fans are so special and important to us and we can't wait to serve as ambassadors here in our community and encourage youth to pursue their dreams. So come on by, come see us. And our dance studio is opening in September. So come out as a community, come visit us. And we just can't wait. We're excited. Thank you very much. Tiffany McNiff, Raiderettes Director, and Maria Cabande, the Raiderettes Studio Manager. Visit Raiders.com and go to the Raiderettes tab to get more information on the Junior Raiderettes Summer Camps that are coming in July out here in Las Vegas. Thank you very much, ladies. Thank you. Fantastic. Let's go to a break, Raider Nation, and we're coming back to get an insider report from one of our rivals, from one of our AFC West opponents, Gilberto Manzano, Gil Mitocayo. He's coming in uh, right after this commercial break. Break the huddle quickly. Herbert right back at it. Throws downfield. There's your shot play. Mike Williams caught into the end zone. Touchdown, Chargers. A record-breaking throw from Justin Herbert. 
35th touchdown toss of the season is now a franchise record. And filling in for JT today, here's Harry Ruiz. We don't like listening to those highlights. Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen. But the reason why you heard it is because right now joining us on the line is Gilberto Manzano, Gilbert Manzano, Chargers and NFL reporter for the Orange County Register, the LA Daily News, the SoCal News Group. We got to talk about all the hype that's around the Chargers, one of the Raiders divisional opponent and this 2022 season. It's going to be wild. Gilbert, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Harry. I'm glad you did not butcher my first full name, Gilberto, and I know you wouldn't because you're a tocayo, so I'm glad I'm on your show. Yeah, so anybody that doesn't know, my middle name is Gilberto. So when I met Gilbert, my first question to him was, is Gilbert your name or is it Gilberto? And then he said Gilberto. I was like, all right, we're tocayos. There it is. That's how I call him. Uh, <laughs> Gilbert, since the last time I saw you, which was at Allegiant Stadium, but the night before, we, we bumped into each other eating tacos at 1 in the morning on the Vegas Strip. Yeah. Uh, a lot has happened with the Chargers, a lot of new signings, and you guys went, well, the Chargers went for big names. What can you tell me about this Chargers offseason, which just concluded with minicamp yesterday? Yeah, it's uh, been a busy uh, offseason for the Chargers. Uh, yeah, I saw you on the Strip, or maybe the day before, I forget, but that was a crazy game in Las Vegas, Week 18. Uh, playoffs on the line, uh, winner goes to the postseason, and it didn't work out for the Chargers. And the, the biggest reason was the defense, because the offense was great. Justin Herbert was fantastic. Uh, you heard the highlight, but the defense was a problem. Uh, when they needed to stop on, 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 on third and short or fourth and short, Josh Jacobs ran to the left, and they had no answers for that. They needed to get better on the run. Uh, and it started with Khalil Mack, the, the, the defensive makeover. Uh, they had no help for, for Joey Bosa. As you know, the, the trash talking between Joey Bosa and Derek Carr gets pretty good. Uh, but there was no help, and they got Khalil Mack. But the biggest issue was stopping the run. They couldn't do that. Khalil Mack will help you get the sacks, and he will help you know, in some way with stopping the run. But they needed to get bigger and tougher uh, in the middle. And they got Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson to, to play a defensive tackle or uh, interior defensive line. But they didn't stop there up top. They, they, they got J.C. Jackson, the prize of, of free agency, the cornerback from the Patriots who has, I think, 19 interceptions in the last two years. So J.C. Jackson going up against Devontae Adams is going to be fun. Uh, so it's a very brand-new defense. And a year ago, you know, Brandon Staley, you know, made some progress. But the defense, is, it's, that's his baby. He's a play caller. And it didn't work for them a year ago. It was a bad defense. I'm going to keep it real. They, they, they couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the field on third down. And they couldn't stop teams from scoring. So it's now up to Brandon City to make it work. He has the players. And it's a very brand new defense. They took advantage of that cap space that they had because they got a rookie, a quarterback on a rookie contract like Justin Herbert. Is there going to be talks about extensions real soon once this year ends? Yeah, you would think so. You know, he he, is, he has proven himself. He's already, you know, I think a top five quarterback in the NFL, if not at least a top ten. He's going to be there for a long time. He's done enough. Yeah, he hasn't got to the playoffs. That's kind of the knock on him right now. But it's only year three, and as you've seen, Harry, this guy's a special player. And a lot of Raider fans, I know, they love the boom at the Pro Bowl. They hated him. But, but, but when you get booed by Raider fans, that means you have respect. And I think Max Crosby told Justin Herbert that at the Pro Bowl. So this guy's a proven quarterback. Uh, you know, the rest will come later, but you got to take care of him. Uh, after year three, he's eligible for an extension. It's going to be massive. Um, I know Justin Herbert's not the flashy guy. He doesn't seem like a guy who cares about money, 
So when you play a position so well, you know, possibly the, the biggest and most important position uh, in, in all of sports, definitely in football, uh, you got to take care, take care of a guy like that. And so, you know, I could see something that could be kind of a Patrick Mahomes contract where it's a 10-year deal committed for the, the whole decade. And that way when you have so many years on the contract, you can spread out the money and that will help you with the salary cap. Or if, if uh, he wants to go the different route and cash him with guaranteed money in three, four-year deal, I can see that too. But it's going to be tricky. But I think Tom Telesco, the GM of the Chargers, and head coach Brandon City have already planned for that, the way they kind of structure contracts to make it work. So um, they probably knew after the rookie year they have to pay this guy probably half a billion dollars. So we'll see how they make it work. We're talking with Gilbert Manzano, Chargers and NFL reporter for the Orange County Register, LA Daily News, and SoCal News Group. You could also catch him on the Compas on the Beat podcast. He does a great job on that as well. I'll tell you a quick story, Gilbert. You brought up the Pro Bowl and all the booing that Justin Herbert had going at him. I was part of it. It was my first game as a fan at Legion <laughs> Stadium. I was front row right behind the goalposts in the south end of the of the stadium and even the social media girl from from the chargers she just turned around and saw me he's like it's the pro bowl i'm like i know and i still don't <laughs> like the chargers so i'm gonna boo him now i was talking trash i was like throw it at 13 easy touchdown easy touchdown he didn't mac jones was the one that did it and he scored a touchdown talking about the draft that was out here in las vegas round one more protection for Justin Herbert. And that was something that starting last season when they brought in reinforcements both in free agency and the draft, that offensive line, that's the key right now for the Chargers to keep keeping Herbert on his on his feet, right? Yeah, you know, a year ago, you know, it, it was a little shaky on the on the right side as, as you know Harry Max Crosby went to work on, on Storm Norton as the right tackle. Uh, but they made progress last year. They got started because, you know, this Chargers offensive line has been a, an issue for the for the past decade, you know. Going back to Phillip Rivers uh, years, and they, they need to get it right because when you have a new franchise quarterback, Justin Herbert, you gotta you got to fix it. And sometimes it, it, it works. Like we saw with Joe Burrow with the Bengals. He made it work, but he took a bunch of hits, and you don't want your young quarterback uh, to go through that. So it was progress last year by, you know, uh, getting the pick right in Deshaun Slater, the left tackle. He was at the Pogo as well. And so was the center, Corey Lindsay, who was signed in free agency. And then Matt Filer, uh, the left guard, he was signed also in free agency. You know, kind of a good value pick there. Uh, but then you had, to, you had to figure out the rest, so the right side, the, the right guard and the, and the right tackle. They addressed the right guard by going with Zion Johnson out of Boston College, the first-round pick, number 17. And when you think about guards, you don't really think about a guard in that, in that pick range. You kind of go in the 20s, later 20 uh, range, but... The Chargers didn't want to mess around with the offensive line. They knew, you know, they they felt that Zion Johnson was ready to contribute right away. Uh, they wanted to continue that. But now the biggest issue for me is they didn't really do much at right tackle. That's a big concern for me and a question mark because again, I bring up Max Crosby. Well, Max Crosby now has Chandler Jones. Uh, you know, teams like the Chiefs still have Frank Clark and, and, and Chandler Jones. Or, or, or I'm already blanking. Uh, the name Chris Chris Jones, Chandler Jones, Chris Jones. Uh, and then uh, the Broncos, they, they got Randy Gregory uh, to go with, with Bradley Chubb. So you need to have good protection. And, yeah, they got you know, potentially four good guys, but the right side's going to be an issue. Uh, so it'll be between, it will be between Thurman Norton and Trey Pipkin. So hopefully for the Chargers, that pans out. It's a gamble, but they're, they're, they're kind of taking their time building the offensive line. they got four guys, and that's, you know, that's, that's, that's good enough. But the, the fifth guy could be an issue down the road. 
and the Chargers, they pretty much left intact the weapons for uh, Justin Herbert because they re-signed Mike Williams, Miguelito, like Adrian Garcia Marquez calls him. And the only weapon yeah. that he lost was Jared Cook, right? Yeah, Jared Cook was the only one that, you know, signed the mix, but he, he, had, he had a rough go with the Chargers. He was great with, with the Raiders, but the Chargers didn't work out. So they needed, they needed a new face at tight end, and they got Gerald Everett. Uh, former Ram, former Seahawk. Uh, so I'm wondering what a uh, nickname my uh, agent's going to come up with for Gerald Everett. So uh, there, there's high expectations for for, for Gerald, uh, but he kind of had a shaky year with the Seahawks. But everything I heard about the guy, he's athletic. He, he could give you yards after the catch. And that's kind of been an issue for the Chargers. You know, they're not known for being uh, the yak guys. Uh, so maybe Gerald could help out with that. But, you know, they have a lot of playmakers. King Allen, Mike Williams, uh, Mike Miguelito got paid. Um, you know, you still have Austin Eckler help out in the passing game also as a, as a running back. So uh, this offense will be dangerous, but I'm, I'm kind of wondering how, how much speed they're going to have out there. Uh, and when you're facing guys like Tyson Mahomes, uh, Russell Wilson, and Derek Carr, it could be attracting in every game. And talk to me about the special teams because that position with the kicker was one where for a lot of time there was uncertainty with it. And then towards the end of last year, they found one that – they felt comfortable with Dustin Hopkins, right? Yeah, and that's why you, you're one of the best, Harry. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't forget about special teams. It's important to have special teams and make it work. And as you mentioned, Harry, uh, you know, special teams has been an issue for the Chargers for many years, and that was kind of a surprise in the off season because you know it's been very bad. So when they make minimal progress, it's like okay, you know, they're going up. It's, it's fine. It's okay. But they fired the, I'm sorry, the special teams coordinator, Darius Winton the second. They fired him even though he made some progress, but it just wasn't good enough for Brandon Staley. He, he's tired of being kind of in the bottom range. And when, when you look at the, 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 the analytics, the BVOA, like they're always in, they're always in the 25 or, or worse range. And they got, they got a little better, but they fired the special teams coordinator because he didn't want minimum progress. So, uh, yeah, they re-signed Dustin Hopkins. He kind of helped out. Uh, you know, they got a new kick returner, DeAndre Carter, they even paid money for a long snapper, Josh Harris from, from the Falcons with the Pro Bowl last year. So, uh, and the new coordinator is Ryan Ficken, who had some good years with, with the Vikings. Uh, hopefully he could turn it around. But it, it, it's been a nightmare for the Chargers, uh, as you pointed out, Harry. It's always a, a field goal miss here or, or, or a botch a punt here or a block field goal there. So they got to get that right. And I know people are always focusing on, on defense and offense, but this Chargers team has been – hindered for many years on special teams and and i know it's not easy to fire a coordinator but it kind of just shows you that brandon Taylor wants to get it right and he wants big progress for year 2022 we're talking with gilberto manzano a chargers and nfl reporter for the orange county register la daily news and socal news group getting the 411 all the up-to-date info on one of the raiders opponents in the division in this afc west that is stacked that's an understatement. What do you think about the division, Gilbert? Yeah, you know, like you mentioned, it's, it's very stacked, and, and and it's funny because the Chargers are finally making moves. Like usually, the GM Tom Telesco, he kind of plays it safe. He's been there for ten years, but not this year. He, he traded for Khalil Mack. He's spending money on J.C. Jackson, but then oh wait, the other teams are making moves too. Uh, the Raiders are going for Devonte Adams. The Broncos got Russell Wilson. Uh, I know the Chiefs, you know, traded Tyreek Hill, but they got better on defense. I thought through, through the draft uh, with McDuffie and Carlos. So uh, it, it, it's tough. People want to write off the Chiefs, but 
you know, one thing that's big is having the same coaching staff and, and the same coordinators. And they still have, you know, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy. They still have that kind of familiar uh, leaders. They still have Travis Kelsey out there. And I think they got better on, on defense. So I think Patrick Mahomes won't go away quietly. But I think that it's more even now. They're not ahead of the pack like they were. Uh, and some people, I think they're overlooking the Raiders. I think the Raiders got much better. I, th- I really like what Derek Carr did a year ago. I know it didn't work out with the coaching staff, and there was a lot of kind of turmoil around the team. But Derek Carr got that team to play and got to get into the playoffs. Maybe they, were, maybe they were a year ahead, but they made it work. You know, and there's so many pieces on offense with Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro. Like I keep seeing that play of Hunter Renfro putting Michael Davis on skates. Uh, so that's not good for the Chargers cornerback. Uh, but now you, you add Devontae Adams to the mix, and he and I know people talk about chemistry. He already has that with Derek Carr because they're, they're best friends. They played at Fresno. Uh, shout out to the Mountain West there. So, and I know the defense is always an issue for the Raiders, but uh, when when you have you know pressure up top and and, and you have a a good coordinator, uh, and then I know Josh McDaniels it didn't work out for him the first time around, but he has some experience coaching the the but the Broncos. Nathaniel Hackett has no experience as a head coach, so. That could be an issue and an adjustment for the Broncos. So I don't know if you're asking me, Harry, but if I had a rank right now, I think it might be Chiefs, you know, and it could be a, a, a tie for second between the Chargers and the Raiders, and then I'll go with the Broncos. I know people love the Broncos because of Russell Wilson, uh, but I have concern about the coaching staff, um, you know, the offensive line, and the defense is really good, you know, on paper, but they just lost Vic Fangio, who wasn't a good head coach, but he was a good defensive mastermind, so... That could be an issue, but Harry, I can talk about the AFC West all day. I'm just excited about the division. Raider Nation, you always complain that nobody outside of the Raiders media talks good about the Raiders. There you go. Gilbert <laughs> Manzano, he's in charge of covering the Chargers out there in L.A., and he just gave your, your team props. Yeah. So keep that, keep that in mind. And someone that divided props and negative criticism last year was Brandon Staley, the head coach. For the Chargers, if we called Jack Del Rio, Black Jack Del Rio, for going on it, going for it on some questionable positions when he was a team's head coach in 2016, that fortunately it worked out. What should we call Brandon Staley? Because I was shocked when he went for it on fourth down inside his own 20 against the Raiders in the second half of a closed game. What what's going on with Brandon Staley? Yeah. Is it still going on? Is it not? No. Yeah, I think he'll still be aggressive. He won't go away from that. But, you know, for, for the most part, I could defend most of the fourth down calls. That one, I don't know what the heck he was thinking about because that was from his own. Yeah, 20. It was still the third quarter. There was plenty of time. It just felt a little desperate to go for it. So that was kind of chaotic. And, and, and I get it, Brandon. People, it, it's funny with Brandon State. People loved him at the start of the year because this guy is new. He's fresh, innovative, creative. He's changing the game. And then he's getting too aggressive, too reckless. And some of those fourth downs, the, the blunders came on prime time against the Chiefs on Thursday Night Football, against the, the Raiders on the Week 18 coming at football, and it backfired. And he became, who are you to try to change football? Why are you so aggressive? Chill out. And he kind of became like the bad guy or the, 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 the arrogant, crazy uh, young coach. I, I know uh, J.T. the Brick is not a fan of Brandon Taylor because of that, too. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, you know, it was his first year. It was a feel-out year for Brandon Staley. I like what he did for the Chargers, and I think it took steps forward. Uh, I think for him now, it's to get a better feel for when to go for it on fourth down. Because you know what? Most of the times, you're going to get it because you have Justin Herbert on the field, and you have Keanu and Mike Williams. But maybe for him, it's going to be a better a better feel for picking picking out the spots. But I still like the aggressiveness. 
know, I'm you know, I'm not a crazy analytics guy, but I do like the numbers, and it's a new it's a new era of football, it's a new age, and I think Brandon Staley is bringing that freshness. But I think for him, it's going to be getting a better feel for it uh, when the time is right uh, for you too. Yeah, when I was on the air on the broadcast of that Week 18 game, I was saying I was like, it's not Madden. It's real football. You can't just go for it on fourth <laughs> yeah. down. But it, at the end of the day, you said JT isn't a fan of Brandon Saley. I am because because if he if with him going on it for it on fourth down, the Raiders were able to win that game. And then him calling that touchdown, they won the game instead of tying it. So I'm like, hey, Brandon, keep going and and let the Raiders keep getting those dubs against you. Week one, Raiders Chargers, right where they finished off last season how intense is that going to be in socal man i think for the chargers i think about the crowd it's going to be a lot of silver and black in the stands to kind of start out that way week one it's going to be tough for them but i think for the chargers i think they want to get that game out the way because i talked to many chargers throughout the offseason and all they talk about is week 18 and how they let one slip they were heartbroken they were disappointing and if you let that loss linger and it's in your mind it could affect the whole season. So handle business week one, revenge game. That for them, for their psyche, could be good. But also it could be bad because maybe they're, they're, getting, they're getting too much for that game. They're, they're putting too much on line for a week one game, and that could work out for the Raiders. So it's intriguing. I like that it's coming out the gate week one. And I, and I keep going back to all the matchups, Devontae Adams, J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack, I guess his former team, Jerry Bosa, Derek Carr, you uh, guys like Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. How's Derwin, Derwin James and the new defense going to you know, defend all these pieces? And like I said, I'm giving you guys credit. You know, I know people, the Raider fans like to say the media is not a fan, but I like this offense with Derek Carr. And I'm just intrigued to see what Josh McDaniels does. And I'm intrigued to see what Brandon Staley does with the defense. So a lot of moving parts, chess pieces, should be a good match for week one at SoFi Stadium. Gilbert, let people know where they can follow you on social media, where they can listen to your show, Compass on the Beat, and, of course, watch all your coverage on Chargers football. Yeah, first of all, thank you for the plug on Compass on the Beat. We need to get you on the show, Harry. Uh, and I'm glad you're the voice of the Raiders in Espanol and also in English math. So I'm glad to be on your show. Uh, but you can find my work at the OT Register, LA Daily News, the website there. But if you want, to make, want me to make it easier, follow me on Twitter at gmontana24. I tweet out all my stories. Uh, all the reporting, and I know if, if you want to follow me, I hope you do, and it's going to be a lot of Chargers talk, but I will give you information on the enemy, uh, Raider fans. He does a fantastic job. I met him out here in Las Vegas when he used to work for the Review Journal, but he deserved, he earned that NFL beat. Congratulations, Gilbert. Keep, keep doing your thing, Tocayo. Thank you, Tocayo. Thank you to you. Appreciate it. There he goes, Gilberto Manzano with the OC Register, LA Daily News, SoCal News Group, Compas on the Beat, and much, much more. Follow him on social media. We always got to keep an eye on our opponent. And that's the Chargers right there. Coming up after the break, we got scheduled to have on the air Brandon Marshall, former linebacker in the NFL, Super Bowl champion, Vegas native. Let's go to the break, and we'll come right back with the top of our number two. <laughs> 